You're being recorded. You're being recorded. My name is Isadora. I'm here with my husband, my lovely husband. Say hello. Yeah, I just came out of the shower. My <laughs> name is Anirudh. <laughs> nice. Good information for everybody to yes, know. Yes, course. good. Yes. And today we have my friend, ah, Vinicius. Say hey. Hello. Hello. hello yeah. What's Vin up? I'm super excited because Vinicius <laughs> is such a cool person i wish i was as cool as you honestly oh my and, god no seriously seriously i i you are i wasn't even aware that you are you are on my top three coolest person ever like seriously What? i find you yes you are <laughs> okay be aware just say so yes I, i'm All saying right. so and uh vinicius thank you so so much for being part of the podcast today We are truly to It's my pleasure. Here. Yes, we've been looking forward to it all week. Yes, exactly. It's an honor. Since I was invited, I've been looking forward for it. Um, I, I've said that before we started recording. I'm very anxious about this. So I expect to, to provide something nice for our listeners. Oh, cutie. No, but don't stress. We're all anxious people by nature. I think I knew you're yeah. the least anxious one, but other than that... I am most of the time, yes. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You're yeah. pretty calm. I just like uh, pretend really well. That's it. Really? Okay. It sounded so cool. I, oh, I, I'm just... Uh, I'm fresh out of a I'm shower. And I'm yeah, like, you know. I'm, I just rolled out of bed, so I'm not on my shot. <laughs> and, you know, all the coffee. And Vinicius, uh, of course, I think we met when I was in college and you were my senior. You were the monitor. Actually, you had already graduated by them, no? Yeah, it was, it was my, my uh, teaching. I had, to, I had to go through the teaching process for my master's degree. So I went back to college this time as a, as a monitor and we sketched together a lot. Yes. Exactly, Sketching exactly. the no, best he, part of designing. He sketched it. <laughs> I, I watched it, I was like, ah, nice, cool. <laughs> Good job, great job. That's why you're the monitor <laughs> and I'm the student. Mm, makes sense. <laughs> I have I this the memory. First time, the first class I, I went uh, as a monitor and I tried to draw like a, a wristwatch on the, mm. on the blackboard. And it came out so skewed and all messed up. And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't even have this memory. Honestly, saying, I remember like talking about the projects and I remember us discussing. Uh, I think I, I was doing like a project about a ceramic that I wanted to do like a um, Russian constructivist kind of like vibes to it. And I remember nice. you saying like, mm, you said like, mm, really nice the concept, but the idea... Mm, I think you should develop more and I was like oh, okay so I will do it I will do it but it was such an amazing not really but it was it was I, I great don't, I don't remember clearly because that's uh, that's something about my process I would spend the whole night preparing my slides and then it was like oh it's like seven in the morning I, I should shower <laughs> and hit the road 
So every time you saw me arriving uh, to, to college, I was I was uh, working on a sleepless night, and <laughs> nice. I, I was a mess. I'm still am a mess about this, you know, uh, time management. My time management is all messed up, but yeah, it did work. Yeah, I think now at least you have a little bit more of the freedom to construct your own time and to build on, on your own project, which is amazing. Yeah. And then you can figure it out the time by yourself. Like, oh, okay, today I'm not going to sleep at all. I'm just going to watch the stars and keep it going and that's going to be it. Yeah, it's not like I planned it. It just <laughs> came to be like this. I think that's what was left for me, <laughs> kind of. I started to introduce you and then I stop it. Okay, so Vinicius is a designer. You graduated in product design, correct? Also? Yes, product design. Industrial design. Yeah. The master's, I, I, I did. It's in materials engineering nice. uh, with a focus on, believe it or not, um, biological materials and regenerative uh, <laughs> medicine. <laughs> Makes sense, makes sense. Uh, especially because during the free time, I know that you're a great observer of biology in nature in general. And I love it. Yes. Love it. And even your sketches, like the biology sketches, they're like uh, amazing. They're so, so gorgeous. So I, I believe oh, it when nice. you say it, then it was focused on <laughs> biology. I said, mm, okay, everything is connecting, connecting the, the dots. Uh, also, Vinicius is a tattoo artist. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I, I've came to terms with why my life is so um, varied. My professional life is so, um, it doesn't follow a line of thought, which is very, um, <laughs> which isn't very linear, to say the least. So I've been recently diagnosed with TDH, ADHD in English, mm -hmm. yeah, the English, I think so. the English acronym. Yeah, so that's that's what's going on for me for a long time, and I just came to realize this that I I can't hold myself to the same uh, the same area of knowledge or the same kind of studies, and I tend to bounce around. And yeah, that's the answer. I, I was I was a non-diagnosed uh, oh. hyperactive, <laughs> hyperactive mess all this time. Yeah. So that's how I came to be. Crazy, yeah. crazy. And like, how did you think like it was this process for you not knowing and realizing that, okay, I, I am bouncing, I am doing uh, all these different areas. My focus changes all the time. I have too many interests and I get mm -hmm. too pumped up with new stuff all the time. So I'm always starting new hobbies always starting new projects uh, my main problem is finishing them but mm -hmm. starting new stuff is like it's very easy and very enticing for me so mm -hmm. i'm always starting new stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's how that, that's how you get a, a a varied curriculum and yet you're like um a, a jack of all trades but a master of none so I have a master's no. degree and I'm not a master of anything. At no, all. come on, come on. No, that that's not true at all, at all. And besides all that, you even have the project of creating knives, which is absolutely Ooh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> See, like I, I, I cannot stop telling, like, ah, you do this and you do that. And come on, 
like jack of all trades uh, and master of all for sure uh, it's just it's just like i i found it very interesting that everything i wanted to do as a kid eventually i got around to doing it so as a kid i was like in love with blacksmithing and you know forging knives and forging swords and all that kind of rpg stuff and, and very very nerdy stuff indeed so um with the time uh, when when the time came for me to oh i'm i'm unemployed now and at the same time i'm i'm living here at the farm uh, my family has a, a farm in the outskirts of our town and so it was the perfect opportunity so i, I just cobbled together uh, a workshop it was very makeshifty at the beginning and i just just started trying my hands on it so it began it began to work out and i as with everything that i do i was like mm, what if i started uh, selling it what if i started monetizing it mm-hmm. because you know i'm uh, it's very limited and money is even more limited so if i can bills are still there you still need to pay the bills yeah. by the end of the month so yeah they they keep on coming yeah it's messed up it's a the capitalist uh, don't even start me <laughs> on capitalism i hate it it's, it's, it destroys people it destroys lives and yeah you know so yeah uh so i began working uh on the shop and i was like okay can i kind of make it better can i uh, you know do something good enough to sell and this it's a drive in itself it makes you 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 know go after more information and i'm i'm a researcher before anything else i love researching stuff i love reading about stuff that i'm doing and i love doing it better than i could before like the challenge of doing something better than i could before is what drives me forward so it was very natural for me to uh grab something that i've been thinking about doing for 15 years and uh you know always reading about it So when I got the opportunity to do it, it was like, okay, I'm all in. Uh, and it was just another project, which is now running in parallel with teaching classes and uh, doing tattoos and drawing and making, you know, commissions and whatever I can get my hands on, basically. And juggling all of them at once. How, yeah. do you, how do you deal with that? Because I don't know, I, at least for me, like I, I don't have that many um, um, abilities per se. Like I, I know a few things, but for me, it's already hard to organize myself into uh, an entire week. What I'm going to do in the like Monday, Tuesday. Uh, how do you organize your time? Mainly, I don't. <laughs> but when I when I get to organizing something, it's more like okay. Uh, during the weekends, I leave town and I go to the farm and I spend the most time I can uh, in the workshop. But during the week, is more like a, it's a high flexibility um, schedule. Is is what works best for me. So I'm I'm teaching classes on Mondays and Wednesdays. And the rest of the time, I just fill the blanks with whatever appears. So, oh, I have a new commission. I'm starting to work on it right now. And I'll try to finish it as soon as possible. Uh, okay, now I got a, a new tattoo on the, uh, on the horizon. So I start working on it. I set a, a deadline. I only work by deadline. Because, uh, it's the thing that makes <laughs> me finish whatever I have to finish. It's the deadlines. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's a high flexibility schedule plus the need to just deliver something to, to pay the bills at the end of the month. I, I don't have as uh, I don't have as major control. I, I see you, you talk about you talk about this like oh how you do it. You seem to to be on top of your stuff and you seem to, to control whatever you do. I don't. I'm just flowing. You know, mm. I can say it's working perfectly, uh, but at the same time, I can say it's not working. So mm. I'm I'm trying to, to better manage my time, but at the time, I just do whatever appears first, first come, first serve. I understand. Like uh, I get it. the The issue with the time, especially with as many projects. But I think at the end, at least what it passes to when we see your projects or when we follow you on Instagram, the sensation that at least I have is that you're having a blast with all of them. Yeah. Oh so my God. I, I, I so think that's working. It, the end goal, if it is having fun while paying the yeah. bills, I think you're, you're fulfilling. And... Yeah, I never got, uh, I, I never understood why some things didn't work for me. Like uh, the idea of working nine to five, it's absolutely dreadful for me. And I did work nine to five for some time and it took me to new lows of depression. It, it was a, a, the worst uh, time of my life. So uh, I've seen that with the, the diagnostic of ADHD that, um, you know, our dopamine system is kind of messed up also. So we're driven by stuff that motivates us by having fun, being interesting, being fresh, being new. And that's kind of what guides my life at this point, which isn't ideal, I know. But yeah, the thing is, I, I'm very enthusiastic about whatever I'm doing. So I get into a new project. I'm all in. I don't sleep. I don't eat. I just research for hours on end. I hyper-focus on it. So I get like a week's worth of work done in 24 hours. And then I put it aside and come back to it like six months later. But for, uh, it was such an intense beginning. It was such an, uh, an immersive process that I kind of latch onto stuff. I, I latch onto information. I, I won't forget it, not anymore. So I think that's what makes it work for me just that I, I saturate with stuff but it's so cool it's so cool you, you're saying that okay it's not the ideal I think it's quite the opposite it is the ideal not uh in terms of uh capitalism not in terms of the money itself but I think yes uh ideologically I think it is the the ultimate goal yeah, I work, I, I try to, I really strive for it. I really try to, you know, make my life's work, whatever I think it's really uh, important and what I, I really am. I, I have to be completely in the zone to work on something. So if you see me working on a project, I'm 100% on it. You can, you can trust me that if you need something, if you need the info, if you need to, to collaborate, I'll be, oh, I'll be over my head like i want to help i want to do more i want you know i'm very very motivated in the stuff i'm motivated i'm not motivated at something i i'm completely i'm i'm an i'm out of it i'm out of here and uh 
one thing that I noticed at least is that how at least like the music collaborates for that for for you to be in the zone and then I would like for both of you to talk about because one of the favorite bands that any has is Tool and oh my god yeah <laughs> I was uh, like uh, on the way to work today I was listening to uh, two of Tool albums one was Anima which is one of my favorite uh two albums and the other one was uh lateralis uh while coming back so yes my favorite so yeah but tool has been like a, one of my all-time favorites for a long time now like i started listening to them uh during my college time and i think uh i got into them because i used to listen to a lot of raging is the machine and they were both kind of uh touring for a while together and they like adam jones and uh-huh. maynard uh no, sorry uh, uh, uh tom morello and uh maynard they were like roommates for a while and everything so like that's how uh i discovered tool and then like i was into it i i just love this kind of connections like uh and learning how people get to know about other bands that are somehow connected it's it's very interesting Yeah. So Tool, I got to know Tool because of one song, uh, which is The Pot, uh-huh. which I, I'm not sure where I listened to it, but I was like, I was, I was stricken by it. I was like, oh my God, it's so good. It's so well mm. put together and the vocals, oh my God, mm. the vocals are amazing. Yeah. And, and I have this thing with um, very technical and very, uh, very, full of detail yeah. like music that that's full of stuff for you to yeah. search for and listen to paying attention not you yeah. know not stuff that you put on the background stuff that you you stop whatever you're doing and you just listen to it yeah and two was like oh my god it's amazing yeah. uh so right now at this moment i'm i've been tripping on Bolivia and all this math rock stuff yeah Uh, and I've been trying, obviously, I've been trying to learn it and I've been getting my ass whooped. <laughs> so it's not easy, but that's what motivates me. It's like, oh, a challenge. I uh, got to get in, onto it. Um, so, but two has this, this quality that it talks about stuff that is really meaningful and, and is actually deep, yeah. the, you know, beneath the, all the, the growling. And, and the, the very intense stuff, the very intense vocals, yeah. like listening to that, that one live version of, um, it's, a, it's a song about addiction. What is it called? Um, yeah. It's a song about addiction uh, that is amazingly well done live, which is for me even more shocking. The, the vocals are even better yeah. uh, live than they are in the studio. Yeah. Uh, is it right sober. into it? sober sober yeah. yes sober i just i just pulled my my two playlist <laughs> yeah it's right in front of me okay yeah. sober it's amazing it's mm. just it's shocking how they, they do it yeah sober I is it. i think one of the first songs that we covered with my band also like uh, uh, we used to do some covers before we started writing our own songs and sober oh. is one of the first songs And it is one of the first songs that I heard from Tool as well. So I was like, we have to cover this one. We were like, yes. the the bass popping in in the beginning of the song, and this song is itself is so weird. The structure that they have for their songs, and like the way they write the song is like insane. Like it's not yeah. what you expect. Like every like every other time, like you know that some change is coming. Then it's exactly what you don't expect them to do. And 
if you're covering a band, you probably uh, have gotten into that uh, that part of YouTube that is like uh, Danny Carey's drum uh, drum cam, and it's just him playing, and it's shocking to see what he does. Yeah. And if you, if you're not watching, if you're not looking for it, you have no idea what is you know, all the levels, all all the nuance. There's that. Yeah, so it's really amazing. Yeah, but uh, Danny Carey also used to uh, play, like he used to learn tabla from uh, an Indian guy. And like, so all the polyrhythms that he uses during like his songs and like the variations that he uses, like it it also comes from a space of uh, playing polyrhythms on the tabla. So uh, like uh, that kind of also makes sense. And they have some sort of like Indian sounds to some of their songs as well. So I think. Yes, yes. I've, I've heard about that. Uh, a drum teacher was reviewing. Uh, it was like, oh, reacting to Danny Carey playing whatever. It was like <laughs> Numa, I think. Yeah, the, the, yeah I think the Numa. Song. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, what is that? That's the polyrhythm. And where did he get that from? And, and he comments about Danny Carey being a very spiritualized guy and yeah. having you know done his soul searching. And I believe he, he studied in India for some time. Yeah. So yeah, it's amazing. But the way they've used like the Indian instruments and the Indian uh, like polyrhythms and everything is mind blowing because like most of the time we hear stuff like that and people using it's like it's a very like it's a very it's in a very limited context. Mm. But the way that tool have used all of the influences and whatever they've learned is like beyond me. Like it's once in a lifetime kind of a band. Like, so, like yeah, there are not many bands that hit you as hard as Tool. True. Like, yes, I, I've not discovered true. one more band that has made me feel like, ah, this is what <laughs> I want to put on and just like sit down and listen to this album, which is. Oh yeah. That's, that's the case for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find it very interesting uh, to see other bands being amazed by too. So I, I really love Deftones. Yeah, and Deftones there's a cover. Is... Yeah, they play um, Passenger, the song Passenger. And yeah. it's the Deftones playing and yeah. it's Maynard uh, singing, yes. singing. So I saw an interview about that uh, in which Chino Moreno said that, oh, we were uh, at the studio and we we're trying to get Passenger down and we we're working with it. And two was playing at the same studio at the same day. So Maynard came to to our studio and and he sat with us and he helped put the song together. And all all that was, yeah, all that was missing was the vocals. So uh, instead of like saying what to do, he just said, oh, give me a mic. And he began, (laughs) began singing. And everyone in the band was like, oh my God, all of a sudden we sound like two, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> and it's one of the most impressive songs by um, Deftone. Yeah. The, the one with Maynard uh, singing. For sure. It's beautiful. I was very happy to see you guys talking about it because I'm not a fan in that sense. Like I have heard it. It is good, but I think I'm too, uh, too noob to actually see like you know like all the levels all the particularities of two and actually you're not as obsessive as you need to be to enjoy two at this level exactly Uh, it's it's just an obsession it's it's not a quality has tool played in brazil though i don't know it has Uh, i have no idea i have no idea also but that is one band that i really want to see sometime soon 
Yeah. Yeah. They I... spend so so much time away from recording. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I I don't expect them how, to play live anymore. Yes, it was. But yeah, I think. But like they have been playing live uh, every year. They play a few shows at least. And mm. uh, this this after this album, they did announce like a whole tour of the the US and Europe. But uh, like it oh, got the, canned the because the inoculum of... album. Yeah, they, they, I didn't expect that. No, they did play nice. in Australia and New Zealand also. I think that was the time when the COVID started blowing up, and then they had to return back, and they stopped playing the shows. Mm-hmm. And they were scheduled to play in Canada as well, but yeah, I think this yeah, was the first yeah. time they were actually touring around the world after a long time because they just they just play one like few five or ten shows a year. Otherwise, like just just for the sake of it, some festivals and one or two arena shows, and that's it. Mm. Yeah, they they got to that point that you yeah. don't need to tour anymore. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Just Maynard himself just play is. Everyone. Yeah, and Maynard himself, he has uh, he's done doing a lot of things. The wine and uh, Pussifer yeah, and a perfect circle also released an album last mm-hmm. last year, and then last year Pussifer also came out with an album. So, I think he gets busy <laughs> doing all that. I didn't get the last album by Perfect Circle. I have to look that up. One minute, finish. Okay. Yay! Delivery. Yes, delivery. Can I see it? Sorry I, I want that. to see. I, I want to see. You want show. to see? Ah, okay. So wait, oh, I'm going no. to open. I have two mics now. Yes. The lord of the mics. Yes. But we mean it. Also uses like two mics every once in a while. So one has a gramophone effect going on, and the one a clean channel. Oh. It's like you can you can do your own um, your own folly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, now I'm in a stadium. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So, any do you also enjoy uh, Evangelion? Anime I stuff? haven't seen it to be very yeah. honest. I think you're gonna like if you like to and you like stuff that's hard to get and you have mm-hmm. to like watch it like three times to. Yeah. to Get a basic grasp of what is going on. Yeah, you're going to you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I've heard so much, uh, like so much about it, but I haven't got to see it yet. But I I'm starting to get into like a little bit of anime also. Like I haven't seen it much before. Like the internet was so bad in India earlier, so mm-hmm. most of it was like whatever we used to watch was whatever was on the television earlier. And now, like with the internet opening up, yeah, you get to see other things. Oh my God, it's beautiful! Oh my God, I want one for you. Getting the shirt, Jinji. So cool. Just connecting the dots. We're talking about uh, bad internet connections, anime, and music. Yes. My <laughs> first download, my first serious download of my life was um, "Do the Evolution" music video. My wow, version, nice. Which nice. I watched it on MTV when I was like, I don't know, twelve. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, what is this? What is this <laughs> called? Yeah. It's called rock and roll, and I didn't know at the time. <laughs> Actually, I I had a uh, I had an experience with rock, rock and roll before, but mm. I just didn't understand it. I remember vividly uh, being at my parents' store, and it was the only place we had a computer and an internet connection back in like uh, ninety eight, ninety seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was seven or eight years old, and I have no idea how I did it. I I really don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how kids do stuff. 
But I had uh, Winamp installed and I was listening to The Offspring and Nirvana, mm-hmm. which yes. were my, my childhood bands. Yeah. Uh, and I was, at a nun, yeah, some, somebody came by and said, oh, do you know this band? Do you know, you know, this guy is dead, right? I was like, what? <laughs> I, no idea. I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. I just found it on the internet and I was like, oh, this sounds nice. I want mm-hmm. to hear more this and it was smells like teen spirit and that began the whole thing uh, i was listening to the, 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 the podcast and i remember his daughter talking about uh getting uh, a disc from like a cousin yes. of hybrid yes. theory by linkedin park and i was i was like oh my god that's exactly my story also <laughs> i also got um americana uh, mm-hmm. by the offspring from a cousin with the xerox um, uh-huh. yes xerox cover yeah and it was like my initiate initiation on, on the whole thing <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. and uh, i don't know i i still remember very vividly like the bad quality of the paper like the very like uh do you know that office paper yeah a bad print altogether. Yeah, gray color. Gray color, like everything is quite off. Yeah. But then I remember listening to the music and like, ah, oh, okay, yeah. this is good. Th- this feels right, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it pays off. It pays off. It yeah. pays off. The piracy, it pays off. Yeah. <laughs> it paid off. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't download a car. You remember those? those yes. Advertising. Yes. Wow. Yes, I would download them. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. You can 3D print it now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I think we got so much of our influences and things that we liked due to piracy because otherwise we had no access to it. Uh, like the yeah. people yes. did not prefer to sell like albums in India at least. I'm, I don't know about Brazil. Like during those times, like we you could not buy. Uh, much albums the only albums that you could buy like were old albums by bands like U2 and Rolling Stone and like basically rock mm. classics like ACDC Highway to Hell like older albums so oh. you could not mm-hmm. actually buy like new albums like but I remember buying uh, the Collision Course uh, album by Linkin Park and Jay-Z <laughs> and uh, before I got into Linkin Park I li- used to listen to a lot of rap music as well because it was easily available here and nice. on the television it used to play <laughs> in India mm-hmm. at one point of time so uh, I did listen to it for a while and then the, like Collision Course that was one album that mm-hmm. I got and it was uh, they had a video album of the whole thing they had some rehearsals mm-hmm. and then they played the whole show and they, then the whole album where they, mm-hmm. they did collaborations right mm-hmm. like six think, songs yeah, uh, Now Moncore and Jigawatt Paint and all of these songs 99 mm-hmm. so <laughs> Yeah, so I think that yeah. that was one of the few albums that I could actually buy here in India earlier. So, the, uh, so you mean you could buy like the original album? Yeah, like that. Was, a, yeah, that was the first the album that I sticker. I wanted to buy and I could buy because the Linkin Park. I I started listening to Linkin Park before that mm-hmm. with pirated CDs and all of that, mm-hmm. and that was the first kind of like the original album that I could buy. Apart from that, I had a few albums that were handed me uh, handed down to me by. Uh, my dad and a few cousins so mm-hmm. but now like with more internet and everything and uh, amazon coming to india and so many other things i have like a few albums that i mm-hmm. really enjoyed and I yeah but now these. the scene has changed completely you know yeah. at least here in india what i see is like 
everything that you want is pretty much available. Amazon, like Amazon, the evil corporation. Yeah, Amazon, of the evil corporation is here, so yeah. I think we have yeah. <laughs> everything that we wanted. Ninja has been taken over. <laughs> yeah. Amazon, the enemy of yeah. the future. Yes. Oh. For sure. Yeah. And in India, they are huge. In India, they oh, are huge. Wow. They are huge. Yeah. Yes. Because everyone has access to imagine. it. And like everything is cheaper there. Yeah. So. With one click, is here, no? Yeah. Like in Brazil, it's not like that, yeah. at least. Not, not until now. Yes. Or, or has it changed it? Yeah, I think it has become closer, at least, to one click. Mm. And mm. the thing is at your doorstep on the next day. Yeah. Uh, mm. But still, uh, Brazil has this uh, logistics problem, I would say, yeah. that our our postal office is um, it's kind of left to itself, left mm, yes. for, uh, to its own, you know, its own. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's been abandoned. Yeah. To, Even in India, like it's it the same with the postal mild. office, for sure. Yeah, the the regional yeah, one. Yeah, the Indian the, postal office the Indian is the one? same. But the only thing is that Amazon and a few other companies, they have their own transportation network in India. And Amazon also operates for other e-commerce companies in India. With, so they make a lot of money there as well. Mm. So that's how they manage to have their own supply chain. And, and have, you, have you gotten those uh, drone um not drone yet. deliveries no, no. No. drones are banned in india actually like they you are? need per- yeah you need really? permission to shoot with drones and uh, only like uh, videographers and photographers they get permission to shoot certain areas <laughs> and uh, for a certain duration of time what and no like civilians what? they cannot generally buy drones in india till now so it wow. is in Brazil, you can fly a drone over a populated area but that's mm. like that it's like most laws in brazil is brazilian Brazil has this culture of, okay, that's the new law. Let's see if it's going to catch. Yes. People are going to actually follow <laughs> yeah. the law. Yeah. Hmm. It's a cultural, yeah. cultural thing. Yeah, yeah, but whenever like we go to a wedding, there's wow. a drone uh, hovering over your head, yeah. uh, recording your food, and then it comes to your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the, because the, the wedding situation here in India, it's huge. It, like It's even bigger than in Brazil the industry yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, i'm not surprised at that i think the wedding industry in india is one of the biggest in the world uh, for sure people from all over the world come to get married here and we have huge destination weddings and the wedding customs in india are they seem to be like the the most um the most complex the most mm. uh, yeah yeah most long ones like a, a week of wedding depending yeah. it, it could be could yeah. be a week but usually it's around three days. Which days. is way much more than yeah. you know, oh, the Brazilian thing. Oh, <laughs> As a life of a designer that is already so chaotic when you're dealing with someone who doesn't have the same of kind of crazy schedule. How was that for you? I'm not sure if your wife, uh, is she a designer also? Is she like in the middle of this chaos that no, we no. live in or, or not? <laughs> she's in the designer but i could say that her life and her schedule is maybe even crazier than mine so it wasn't a problem we just matched our crazy schedules and both of us have a, a lot of flexibility so, uh, nowadays we mostly work from home i'm working mm-hmm. from home she's studying from home she's like doing courses at the same time trying to make the most of our time um uh, to to study and try to you know, 
get an upgrade to our CVs as we can, the best we can. So yeah, it wasn't a problem actually. Oh, nice. And also I, I have always been, you know, the, the hyperactive kind of, of worker and study. So I would go to school and I would like have two jobs or I would be going to two schools. Like that. there was this brief period uh, in which I was going to two colleges at the same oh, wow. time, plus working on the side. So yeah, we, we just had to meet whenever possible. And that worked out. <laughs> she was also studying at the, the UFMG, wow. which I was studying also at the time. So yeah, you just spend all the time uh, at school. She was spending all her time at school. It, it, it wasn't hard to, for it to work, mm-hmm. actually. Nice. Now, in our life here, we're, since we've got together here uh, at, at the town we're living at, which is the town I've grew in, we mostly spend our time at home. We, we're not the type to you know, go out a lot. We're very much the type to cook at home and watch something and spend time together. We talk a lot. So it's, it's actually very nice. Uh, at the beginning, so if you're, mm-hmm. you're talking about uh, issues of uh, the relationship, at the beginning, right when we moved in together, she was like, okay, are you coming to bed or not? And I was like, <laughs> oh, it's like 11 o'clock. I'm not going to bed right now. I'll, I'll meet you there like four or five in the morning, which is wow. when, I, when I go to sleep, when I go to sleep. Um, so uh, other than that, she eventually got used to it. So it's just our our, yeah our period together is not the same as everyone else but we probably spend more time together than most couples which Which is is great great yeah it's amazing and uh how do you find your life like living in the city and now living the countryside has it been better for you uh especially like on the creative side has it improved yeah a lot it's improved like a thousand percent. I haven't had this uh, this notion before because I grew uh, all my life. I grew up in, in the countryside. I, I grew up uh, in this town, actually. Uh, I was living here in this very same apartment I live today or at the farm where I go uh, on my weekends to work. Uh, so when I moved to the city, uh, it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I don't want to ever come back. and I. I, I don't expect to go to uh, a smaller town ever in my life. But when I came back to, to Velo, it, was, it wasn't by choice to begin with. It was at the, the lowest point in my life. I, I was very depressed. I, I came here kind of, kind of like I have to go back to some, some place smaller and quieter to try to survive and rebuild myself. And that's what happened. I, I moved back here uh, directly into the farm. I didn't come to live in the city to begin with. And I really saw the difference uh, in time management. It was easier. The, the time quality was much, much higher. So not having to take a bus was amazing. You see, now I work and, and my tattoo shop is like five minutes on foot. Um, from where I live Mm. and every time I go to work I think I wouldn't have reached my um, my bus stop by this time Mm -hmm. it was it took me so much time like the 
the management of the life in the city. You have to go places. You have to leave one hour and a half early. Yeah. And yes. I, I was never early. I was always late for everything, everything. Because oh. I, I grew up here, so I was always used to, you know, I just leave when, you know, I have to be there by seven. So when it's five to seven, I leave the house. Yeah. And it, I, it never translated well to the big city. So it, it made me, you see, I had, uh, I had some employers that came to me by the end of our contract and said, Oh, you know, you do a, a great job, but I will never ever recommend you to another employer wow. because you come in like 40 minutes late every day, every single day. And I was like, oh, but I but I stay like two hours late every single day. I, I get in the flow and I can't leave Absolutely. and I, I can't stop working. I love doing whatever we're doing. At the time, I was working mm-hmm. with 3D modeling uh, for fabrication and. And I, I, I never got um, the idea why, why I'm, I'm trying to make the best work I can. I'm, I'm really pouring myself into the work. So why is it more important that I get here in time than that I deliver the best thing I can, you know? So uh, it's, it was like priorities. <laughs> My priorities like, are kind of messed up. But it did work. And this same employer that told me that is a good friend of mine nowadays. And he invited me to, to do some, uh, some speeches at the, the college he was working at. So it was like he was, he was pissed at me at that point. But yeah, he, <laughs> at, he the end, to, at the end, at the end, you made end, peace. I, yes. Yeah, at the end, I think the quality of the work is more important than following this, uh, these rules that who came up with those? Who said we have to work from this hour to that hour? You know, <laughs> I've heard that in Sweden, you have like the, the B schedule, mm-hmm. you know, people who work like five, nine to five, that's the A schedule. And you have the B schedule, it's like the night shift. The uh-huh. whole city's work at the night shift, you have a second um a second commercial time uh-huh. which is made for people that are, are more prone to work at night that are, wow, that's uh, amazing you know are late to go to, to bed and are late to, to wake up so that's my yeah. dream a society that can include everyone you know exactly. it's not natural for me to go to bed early it's not natural for me to wake up early i have this you know my circadian cycle is very late shifted mm-hmm. so for me it's a struggle to fit into the, the society rules that sometimes just don't make sense and make my work uh worse than it could be if i was given exactly. the opportunity to to work on my my own shift you know it it, it sucks like i think resuming yeah. everything it, it actually sucks no like you don't have uh the freedom to perform as well as you could because of these yeah. uh, strange laws, correct? Of these like yeah. kind of rules. Yeah, you get this notion that um, maybe I'm lazy, maybe I'm just not as serious of a, of a professional as my peers. But when I got the diagnostic of ADHD, it was like, no, if you're probably thinking you, you're lazy and you, you don't get to do stuff the way everyone manages to do and you don't get why and you simply can't because yeah you, you really can't it's like um 
it's a it's a neurological thing. It's not that I choose to, to go to bed late. Yeah. It's just that I I really I, I for me there's no sense in laying down in bed for like two hours straight, not not sleeping, getting restless, getting pissed, and not doing work. So I get up and I'll I'll do work. You know, and when I when I get back to my senses, it's like six in the morning and I have to be uh, I have to be at the company at like eight. So I go to the company being a, a complete mess and drinking like <laughs> gallons of coffee every day. <laughs> you see, the time when, when we met, when I was doing my master's degree, I would mm -hmm. literally, literally sleep one night and skip one night. Wow. It was easier for me. It was actually oh. easier for me. So I, I've got to that point that I can only go to bed when my battery is like at 2%. Mm. If I go to bed and my battery is like at 7%, I won't be able to sleep. Mm. And it's very frustrating. And it's actually more tiring than spending the rest of the battery working on something. Yeah. So I would do this. I would um, sleep one night, then go to, to work, do my research, do, do whatever I had to do, go back home, work the entire night, um, then go back to work mm -hmm. and that was like the the b day i would i would call it um, you have day a and day b <laughs> so day day b i wouldn't be like the sharpest at mm -hmm. some uh, some uh, tasks it wouldn't be my favorite day to drive around town mm -hmm. but i still managed not to die or kill anyone <laughs> congratulations um, but at, on that second day, I would like go to bed at 10 p.m., which was mm. all right. So yeah. you, you just learn to operate in this frequency. Mm. So everything I had to, to deliver, I was mainly motivated by the adrenaline of the deadline, which mm. is typical of ADHD. Mm -hmm. So when I when I finally presented my my master's degree, when I uh, presented it to you know the, the final review, uh, I was I was awake for like 40 hours by the wow. time I got on, on this stage. I was like ready to drop. And it was like, oh, less ditch, less effort. Let's go, give it all. <laughs> and it worked beautifully. And it was, oh, it was amazing. The, the exchange with the professors that were judging my work mm -hmm. was amazing. It was very, very fulfilling. And uh, my motivation at that point was like 100%. Uh, and right after, I went home and slept for like 17 hours straight. Wow. <laughs> That's how I've operated all this time. So, yeah, it's tough to, to work in a, in a company environment, you know, that mm -hmm. classical, uh, classical capitalistic uh, work environment. It, it, it's not suited for me. Mm. It doesn't work for me. And I know I can provide better stuff when I'm working on my own schedule and my own rules. And that's why you eventually become unemployed and say, <laughs> okay, from now on, I'm an entrepreneur. And you started all the, the companies. <laughs> yeah, I'm a freelancer, yeah. <laughs> I'm an artist, an entrepreneur, I'm a freelancer. I do my own stuff, yeah. It means I'm hustling. And uh, Vinicius, this final research of your master that got published, because I remember seeing one of your like academic work published, uh, I think, in the Scientific... Uh, Scientific American. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, it was it was really cool to appear. My face is printed on Scientific American. Wow. It's like a, wow. a life achievement achieved. Yes. Very very fun. Um, but it was it wasn't my work per se. It was the work of the lab I was working at at the time, mm-hmm. which was um, uh, a lab for bioengineering of invasive alien species of hydroelectric dams. So the work centered about the golden mussel. Which mm-hmm. is an invasive invasive species that came from uh, from Asia in the ballast water of um, of ships, and it's a it's a little uh, it's a little uh, muscle, which simply populates every surface it can latch onto, and it can latch onto mostly all surfaces. And what happens is, in an electrical dam, you have to like stop the turbines, drain the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You have to go in and manually scrape it off because right. it produces a, a bio glue that it's it's amazing. It's it's one of the the wonder materials we were researching at the time. Um, so that that stuff it glues underwater. It's extremely uh, chemically resistant, extremely mechanically resistant, and there is no better way to remove it at at the time than actually scraping it and at the same time you scrape the whole thing and it's like one square meter of surface can can uh home like a hundred thousand of these muscles they, they literally oh. cover this stuff so yeah it's a it's a it's a huge problem especially in brazil where our you know our uh, electrical matrix is all based on Mm-hmm. on hydroelectric dams and mostly based on the hydroelectric dams yes. yeah. and the thing is we made a prediction of how this this muscle would travel from the from uh, argentina where it first came to to south america mm-hmm. and from the the plata basin up to the amazonic basin and the san francisco basin wow. which is you know something to be defended with all we've got Yes, and we used a cellular automata, which is a, a a computer simulation that we used to you know to predict how something will spread given mm-hmm. the conditions of terrain and human interaction. And uh, actually, at this point, my my work at the the lab was very very scattered. I was I was operating a, a, an electronic microscope, which is one of my passions. It's like <laughs> photographing, it's like it's like astrophotography, but in the micro scale. You can uh-huh. zoom in until you almost can see the atoms. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> I love it. And the best thing of working at this this environment was that I was mostly given uh, like carte blanche to do whatever I, I needed mm-hmm. to, whatever I wanted to. Uh, also because we didn't have as many resources as we needed. So instead of calling a technician to do maintenance on our equipment, mm-hmm. uh, our boss would say, oh, call Vinicius. We need something <laughs> electronic or repaired. We need, we need him to research this, find out how it's done and do it. We don't have money to, to bring in a professional. So we would do like all the maintenance on the, the equipment and operate the equipment actually. So it was uh, it was a great time. It was it was a, a very very nice time in research for me, and yeah, we published that. It was it was published with a, a big picture, 
that I have taken sure. of the, the muscle uh, larva uh, in the, the microscope. It was a blast. I wow. love it. Nice. No, super interesting. I don't know. It, it's something that uh, at least when we are discussing design or when we are discussing materials, something that not necessarily is going to, to pop in your mind. It's like, hmm, okay, I'm going to study the muscles and I'm going to study yeah. how it influences the water. Like, it, it's something that it doesn't even cross uh, at least my mind, my yeah. simple mind. So I'm blown away the amount of information. <laughs> The interesting thing about this is that this kind of research, I don't think you choose it, kind mm -hmm. of chooses you, you know, mm -hmm. to, to put it in a, in a trope of all tropes. Uh, it's just because when you're doing research, uh, especially in Brazil, and that was kind of the focus of my master's, uh, you don't get that much of choosing power. You, you don't mm -hmm. have much gambling power with the uh, institutions or with... The, the structure of research. So I've got into this lab to do my master's because mm -hmm. the, the head of the, the, the lab was my, my coordinator for the master's. So it was like, okay, welcome to our lab. This is what we do. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> These are your tasks from now on. And you eventually grow into it. You, mm -hmm. you learn to love it. And just by researching it, you see how important the thing is. You never heard about it before, but it's vital to your daily life. And you didn't know that this, these researchers were like protecting you from the shadows uh -huh. of this invasive alien species. It's really, it's really funny. And the, the people I met at this lab, it's mm -hmm. called Sebe. Uh, that's spelled C-B-E-I-H dot org. That's our um, that's their website, not our anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and their work is still going on and it's still very important. That's why I wanted to mention it. If you can visit it, get to know about it. It's, it's actually uh, more interesting than what I can express here. <laughs> and the people I met at this, this place it was like the best team of researchers I have ever worked with. Nice. They were all extremely talented people extremely willing to um, to share information and share their skills it was was amazing I, I made some of my best friends and and some of my uh, work partners that we still collaborate to this day you see uh, okay you're doing your research I'm doing mine but you know this this freelance graphic design project popped up and I need a bit of help. Can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but it, it's, it's amazing again. to have like uh, this kind of environment, no? to have this kind of team that you know that you can trust, you know that is going to support you and whatever you have to do, you know, like, okay, I can trust in their talents and the result is going to come out just fine. Yeah. It's, it's like not all the time it's like that. Actually, in research, you have in, in academics in general, you have those, you know, rivalries and mm -hmm. you have people that actually hate each other and they're fighting for the same grants. So it's not like the most amicable um, work environment in general. But when you strike a nice team, it was like the dream team. And you have to, you have to grab that and not let go. It's, it's yeah. actually it's actually very uncommon to find people that vibe so well together. We have to take advantage yes. of it. 
So I was very lucky, actually. Quite nice, hmm. nice. And uh, Vinicius, one thing that you told uh, during this story, and I know that you're a master of it, is uh, here in India we call it jugard, jugard. That is like the what? Brazilian way, the jeitinho oh. uh, oh. of. I'm taking things <laughs> that are not supposed to be <laughs> that uh, didn't uh -huh. have that function and change it until it get the work uh, actually done. Yeah, the jerry rigging, the cobbling stuff together. Yeah, I usually use the word jeitinho more for the you know the the bad stuff. Ah, mm. going around the law, going around something that wasn't supposed to be mm -hmm. uh, I prefer the word gambiarra which is yeah, one of yeah, the yeah. most beautiful words in Portuguese to me <laughs> so yeah the thing about oh nice that you brought this up because I, I mentioned it and totally lost track of it <laughs> most of my um, you know the, the most pointed things that I uh, I build around in my my master's degree was how to do research being Brazilian and broke <laughs> research because every Brazilian researcher is broke. Every lab is mainly broke. Yeah. So it was about um, bringing stuff that we read about in papers to the Brazilian reality that you, you get a very small amount of money to survive mm -hmm. being a researcher. You have to, you know, you can't have a, a side job. You can't be like, you, you can't be in a contract with a company at, at the side. Yes. You have to, yeah, you can do freelance work, but it's, you know, under the radar. And at the same time, most of the time you have to, to pay for whatever you're using in, in the lab. You mm -hmm. have to pay for, you know, uh, technician hours when you're using um, equipment on other facilities and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I would read a paper that has like the complete recipe of what I needed to do. Oh, you just have to prepare the silicon and expose it to ozone and then generate a plasma and you're going to charge the surfaces and then you can stick glass to silicon. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing. That's what I began my, my work with was microfluidics. So you build this chip made of uh, half rubber, half glass, and they are bonded on the molecular level. So, okay, but I don't have any of this. I can't buy the materials in Brazil. I can't import them by the, the regular means. I have to like buy the stuff in, in the USA and ex, uh, have it delivered to a Brazilian company in the USA that then would resend it to me, of course, um, charging me a fee for that and all that out of pocket. So uh, by the time I've got to delivering the, the whole work at the, the end, I was, uh, I was very adamant that, okay, this is what I learned on how to do science with very little cash, very little support, uh, the, minimum, the bare minimum equipment, and this is the results I've got, and this is how I measured it, and this is how I proved that it actually worked like a fraction of the price that uh, an American or an English uh, researcher would be able to, to develop. So it's like how to reach 95% quality of the work with 5% of the budget. 
So that's that's the whole the whole point of the, the whole that's stuff. That's how it started, at least. Yeah, we have to you have to be grounded to you know you have to to keep your your feet on the ground to to be able to produce something that will be actually relevant to whoever comes after you in research. Because I didn't want to produce some material that someone would come and read and say, oh, that's very nice, but that's completely out of my league. I cannot replicate that being Brazilian and broke. That's the slogan. (laughs) (laughs) Especially for the last years, yes. Talking about this, like similarities, there was one interesting thing, like once we were discussing about, ah, do you remember LimeWire? Do you remember... uh, like the process of finding the CD uh, and putting the song into it. And then I I thought that was a very Brazilian thing to do, right? I thought like, "Mm, this is my childhood, my teenage years. And then, and he said like, no, no, here it was kind of the same. We used to do the same thing. So these kind of similarities, I find it like nice to have. Yeah, I think there are a lot of parallels when it comes to Brazilian India in that sense, Mm -hmm. no? Like uh, how we were consuming our music and how technology was also kind of working there and here and so many other things. And like these are kind of things which are running parallelly in the world as well. So like something that is happening at here and it is also happening at the other end of the world. And yeah. people are kind of living the similar experiences. Innovation also like it, it evolves in that sense, no? Because people struggling with the same problems, they tend to come with a similar kind of a, a solution for it. So, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, that way is, uh, there are parallels to uh, this situation. Right? For sure. It's really interesting to see uh, people in uh, those, you know, the, the developed countries, the so-called developed countries like yeah. the USA, uh, talking about this. Oh, it's a bootleg recording of a show. Oh my God! Oh, piracy! <laughs> oh my God! Oh, yeah. Come on, come on! Get get down from your high horse. Everyone yeah. has to do this except you, capitalistic empire people. You know. Yeah. They, they live in a bubble they, they think really the world yes. is able to pay like we're talking about um cd and and you know this kind of media stuff uh, yeah. availability in india yeah. in brazil I, I never had the problem to find something to buy it was just that the prices were yes. strikingly high yes. yeah. you know to pay 40 bucks for a cd or um 50 plus bucks on a book yeah that's messed up it that's is really it messed is. up it is. And these we are talking so, about things that are going to bring the culture to us, right? To the mass yeah. population. And when you set such a higher price, then that's the moment where yeah. you deny the access to the culture. Yeah, it's gatekeeping to, to culture. And, you know, that's not by accident at all. That's by, yeah. Yeah. That's by design. Yeah. It's clear that's by design. This year we had uh, a change in taxation of books. And our beloved, not Ministry of Econom- uh, of Economy, yeah. said that oh, just rich people, only rich people read books. And everyone was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> when, what planet do you live on?" Yeah. No, you're you're not even trying to hide that. That's your your design. That's your project. Yeah. Yes. That only rich people have access to culture. Only rich people have access to books and research and and colleges. Yeah. You see, that's that's. So piracy is an act of resistance. Yes. I, I won't stop doing it. 
I don't <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> go pirates. Go pirates. Yes. Go pirates. And uh, also, like, you know, talking about piracy, talking about uh, these tools, one thing that uh, I have noticed, and I think you shared today or yesterday, was wow. the way that you were uh, trying to use your cell phone to actually record the stars, right? To actually take uh, yeah. pictures of the stars. How, like, first of all, how it always started, how you decided, mm, okay, stars, nice. Okay, the universe beyond. L let's take a look into that, how this desire started and okay. how in the end you decided, okay, I'm going to actually uh, do a gambiarra, I'm going to do a jugard and figure out a way to record that. So the jugard uh, comes naturally whenever that situation presents itself, the opportunity presents itself. So yeah, I have always tried to carry some like nylon zip ties. That's the most universal, most useful thing to, to gambiarras ever. So yeah, the, the astro astronomical uh, photography thing I have always been interested in it because of the pretty pictures to begin with it's just amazing it's just so goddamn beautiful you open you know you get a, a high resolution picture of a nebula and you can spend like hours studying it and every every little piece of information you can zoom on it and you know that the solar system fits in there That's the secrets of the universe too much stuff to look at Yeah, so I have always been in love with that, but I never had access to, you know, uh, buying a telescope or something like that. So my brother recently bought a very little tiny telescope, which is more of a, a monocle used for <laughs> bird watching and stuff like that. So I was at the station, I was spending a, a, a weekend there, and he came to visit and he brought it. And by the end, he said, oh, I'm going to leave it here because I'm, I'm coming back in two weeks when I'm in vacation. Uh, and I had the, the chance to just go outside during the night. And we have very clear skies. I live in a very flat uh, region. And the skies are uh, mostly dark mm -hmm. back at the station. So I had the opportunity to prop it up and actually look at the sky using this thing. And I was blown by what I could see. I, I never expected, you know, you see pictures taken by a huge telescope on top of a mountain on Hawaii. It's one thing. The other thing is getting something that fits in a, in a bag, in a backpack, putting it on your yard and looking through it. And where you could see just one star with the naked eye, now all of a sudden you can see like 300 stars and you didn't, Uh, you didn't expect that to be there and i was just awestruck like what the hell this was there all this time all my life it was just there waiting to be seen and i have never looked at it at that at that way so the the first thing I've, i've got to was okay let's check where is everything i i for some time now i have been using some apps like stellarium i really recommend this one which you can track positions. I, I have always tried to, to learn the name of constellations and learn to guide myself using the night sky just because it's interesting. That's all the motivation I need. And again, to, to try to find nebulas and stuff like that. 
So I was exploring the night sky and sometimes I would stumble on some structures that I was like, oh my God, it's so easy to see this thing. It's really so easy. You can buy like a, a hundred bucks uh, eyepiece and you can look at the sky and see some, some stuff that you never, never actually expected to see from your backyard. So like the, the Carina Nebula, which I posted this night mm -hmm. on my Instagram stories. I stumbled upon it and I was like, what is this? What? It's just too intense. It's just too beautiful. It's just, it's just too much to be just there, hanging there. So easy to see and nobody told me about it. How come this isn't on television? People are watching like Paul Stone uh, every Sunday, watching this, this shitty programming. And on television, and this kind of stuff that could be, you know, this could be on the curriculum of every high school, of every elementary school. If I was a kid and had a chance to see these things, I would be set for life to work with this kind of stuff. So, yeah, that goes into the design of keeping people out of science in Brazil. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so my brother came back on his vacation. He's, he's here right, right now. And he's got this new phone that is capable of doing long exposures. Nice. So I, I, I knew how to use long exposures. I have a bit of experience with photographing and with, um, with microscopy, which is basically all the same microscopy, mm -hmm. photographing and astrophotography. And I say, okay, so this is, I just have to put two and two together. We have a, <laughs> a, we have a, a telescope, we have a long exposure able camera let's try and see what comes out of it so the results were obviously suboptimal but it was still uh, kind of a proof of concept that's that's a term i learned with mythbusters i don't know if you remember this this show mm, yes, uh, but yes for some time in my life that was my dream job what do you want to do when you grow up <laughs> i want to be a mythbuster <laughs> so yeah the proof of concept is like the best part of the um, of the whole process in designing stuff and creating yes. stuff because it comes easily it comes naturally it's very experimental you don't have really rigid goals and it usually is the first um the first stage of developing something so that's the moment you're most um most into it you're most blown by it and you have to, to just do it right now right right here yeah that's that's what i tried this this night and at the same time, the, the results were, weren't what I was expecting. They were uh, very good yeah. for what I was using, actually. <laughs> so with very little, if you research, if you try, if you understand how to use stuff, you can get, you know, you can, you can get the tools to do more work than they were designed for. And that's, that's an exercise, that's a mental exercise yes. that I love doing. And uh, this is something that we even discussed with uh, Catherine yeah. at that time, right? Yeah, like even. in one of the latest episodes. Yeah. Uh, how to um, actually be aware of how the tool is there to help you to prove this concept, correct? And not the other way around for you not to be overwhelmed yeah. by it. So I think like the Gambiarra, the way that um, that you uh, modify, that you change the uh the tools that you have, the elements that you have in order to fulfill your idea, to fulfill your concept, it is the ultimate goal for a designer at the end. 
Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I think the, the most beautiful thing about uh, industrial design and you know designing stuff in general is uh, the multidisciplinarity or transdisciplinarity of it. You know, it's just learning a very wide set of skills and then being able to cross-reference those skills to, to achieve something that people which are specialized in these and that skills cannot achieve by themselves. So at the same time, you're not getting to the positions uh, in, in work and research that the specialist gets to. You, you're not getting you know, as high of a paycheck. But at the same time, you have something very, very precious to add to the team, which is, okay, so you're a specialist, I'm a generalist. And I see how you can put your abilities together and I can, you know, chip in a little bit and, and try to achieve something bigger. Yes. It's just about trying to, to make the, the sum of the parts being mm. bigger than the pieces, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Vinicius, do you feel the same while you're doing like uh, the knives? Do you have a similar experience? Oh, with the knives, uh, my experience with the knives is still very experimental. It's, mm -hmm. it's fun to, to think that uh, for reals, I have been working with knives for like a year uh, at this point. Uh, when, when we fled the city in a, in a frenzy running from the, the pandemic, when it struck like in March 2020, yeah. we went to, to the farm. Uh, it was actually March 18. We moved to the farm like um, somehow defiantly. So moved me, uh, my wife, and my grandma. We went like escorting my grandma because we wanted to keep her out of town. So we, we went to the farm. And while we were there, you know, I had this very little forge that was also a gambiarra. It was also just cobbled together. And I finally had the time to, okay, I, I'm going to work something out. I'm going to design and build something that is actually made for the job. And that's when it actually started. All, everything I have done prior to this was very tentative. It was very, okay, let's try and see what goes on. Um, from that point on, no, I, I can now say I'm a professional. I can actually you know, get commission jobs and, and this kind of stuff. So uh, I'm still in this experimental phase. Uh, I look back to the knives I made uh, a year ago and I, I look to the techniques I'm using now and the knives I'm, I'm designing now. And I, I've came so much farther. Uh, I've came a long ways since I began. So I'm still learning. So I'm still experimenting. I'm still messing a lot of things up. But at the same time, I can pull knowledge that I've got from my master's in uh, materials design. We have a, a very strong, uh, uh, very strong curriculum on uh, metallurgy. So I could, you know, just expand that knowledge. And I, I already had the resources. I already had the channels to, to go after more resources and study deeply the, the matter. And it has been a blast. It has been has been very fun to, to explore this this whole area of knowledge. And they are they are gorgeous. They are absolutely oh, sunny. And even the the case that you have developed, I think like a few weeks back also, like the yeah. the wood case 
was also such a beautiful job you know us designers you an act that we do love the process of it yeah. so even for you to explain the process ah, okay i use it this wood and then i have to cut it then i have to like to explain yeah. step by step was also such a, a blast to see yeah i love explaining the process because when i'm working on something i'm constantly thinking whoa this is so cool this this the solution i i somehow managed to, to make it, it was so useful. I have to tell people about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had this, this tint with uh, education back when we met at college. And ever since I've been absolutely in love with teaching and, you know, seeing people find out stuff that they didn't know. And just the process itself is so interesting. It's so, it's so interesting to see uh, a, a brutish a crude piece of wood becomes something refined and and polished and very uh, carefully finished i'm amazed by the process i spend most of my time watching tutorials on youtube and see uh, watching people make stuff i love watching people make stuff so it's just natural that i want to show people how i make stuff i i find it very entertaining so that's that's why i put it out there no, it is. It is. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love to see that. We were also watching a show recently, you know, where they make uh, swords. Yes. And yes. Uh, e even like the other show that we were watching, uh, James May, our man in Japan, he, he went to make some uh, yes. uh, ninja swords, you know? Mm -hmm. So like whenever she is talking about uh, knife making, it, it takes me back to that. But like, I'm also like really interested. Mm -hmm. Everything that I've seen, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful process. It is. It creating is. blades and yeah it, it amazes me that some people are like very uh specific on what they're doing how they're doing like there's a, a youtube channel that's called click spring yeah and it's a dude that fabricates very intricate stuff like literally clocks and watches and wow. and stuff with gears with like thousands of little mm -hmm. pieces and thousands yeah. of you see and he uses only like um age appropriate tools like okay we have to solder this i'm not going to use an electrical soldering iron wow. i'm going to get this block of copper of solid copper and wow. i'm going to hit it <laughs> on, on a, a coal fire and then i'm going to place it on the piece and i'm using a flux that i made from three sap it's wow. it's amazing it's marvelous it's you know the arts and crafts movement the, yeah. the thing to you know yeah. just for your attention and your dedication into finishing this one object yeah. it's not mass produced there's no one uh, there's no other one like it it's unique yeah. and, and that in itself is unique the process is unique it's, yeah I, I value that over anything that's mass produced what is an iPod compared to a, a hand-built guitar or something like that yeah. see it's much more uh, it's much more rich in in the story behind the object. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. Yeah. yeah, I I totally agree, and it's kind of like the um, the intention that you have, not only like towards actions that I don't know, like going through the uh, yogi part of it, but also towards the the product that you are creating, like the mm -hmm. the creation process itself. Like it or not, it is a piece of your time it is a piece of your attention going through that object correct yeah. so yeah. i think that that's why it's so valuable and also but like one 
weird thing that is happening nowadays is that like people who are mass producing are also uh, trying to just create stories about uh, other stuff no yes. they 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 create uh, maybe one uh, limited edition thing and they they try to even get into the market that these people who are creating one off products with so much attention to detail and they're trying like these mass producers are trying to get into the market of these people as well which is so fucked up right yeah it's marketing uh, yeah. i think marketing is one of the, the most fucked up industries of all i yeah. had to deal with it because i i'm the one making all the stuff on my my companies i had to i had to learn to use facebook analytics and i absolutely hate facebook yeah. and I absolutely hate marketing and i've been taught that um I, i've been told that my marketing is actually pretty bad you see people come to me and say oh you, you haven't posted anything about that project is that still available that that piece that pro, the, the, that picture that knife yeah yeah it's available i just don't blast it all the time oh you know buy this buy that yeah. people are not on the internet to watch ads yeah. i remember a time when uh, i would i would gladly say oh i prefer youtube to television because youtube don't have ads mm-hmm. and now it's like the opposite yeah. youtube has the yeah. most annoying most repetitive yeah. like i've been I, i'm watching the 50th uh, ad for ifood of the day it doesn't mean i'm going to buy something on ifood it doesn't yeah. mean that i'm going to buy the service it just becomes um, uh, a nuisance of using a yes. tool that it's amazing it should be yeah. should be best it should be better than that yes see and, and the, it's kind of the corporate greed makes everything nice we develop become a, a hot mess in, yeah. a, in a while yeah it's like that's why we can't have nice things because yeah. someone's <laughs> going to try to sell something on top of it all the time yes yeah. even when you are playing a song you list like watching a video or something there would be like three ads in middle yes. of a song oh which gosh. is like 10 minutes long so damn that's that's just rude yeah. that's simply rude just don't do that if you put an ad in the middle of a song i'm not going to buy your product i'm going to hate your company yes. that's what's going exactly. to happen exactly yeah. and this kind of uh, uh promotion all the time it also goes in the level of self promotion especially when we are talking about social media it comes to that point that you have to sell yourself all the time correct yeah. and this is something that uh, me and you Vinicius we have discussed before uh in our yeah. talks shy people trying to sell themselves online yeah. exactly doesn't go down well how bad is it like yeah. it sucks and yeah. this it has been the trend for a while now not only uh yeah. when we have our own company and we are trying to sell things on Instagram or Facebook but also on the professional level mm. so even if you try mm-hmm. to get hired by someone the first question ah okay wh- what have you done lately what are the things that you have been showing off that you know how to do mm-hmm. it right especially social media but even if you're doing something nice and you want to put it out there like i hate just like even posting about the podcast like uh, we plan to at least yes. announce our episodes and everything but it gets to a point where like doing more than one post we feel like it's too in your face and we, it's exhausting we, we no we hate doing it and it it's not organic yeah it's not natural in that sense it's not natural at all and i think it it goes through that thing that um 
work and personal life has become so intermingled that you cannot separate stuff anymore. Yes. Uh, and at the same time, it really makes me pissed when I have posted something that I've worked on for hours and hours and hours on end. And the, you know, the, the feedback I get, I get from that, it could, it could be very crudely measured in number of likes or interactions, yes. this yeah. kind of stuff. It's so much lower than when I post a, a selfie that took me like five seconds yes. to produce. Exactly. And it really, really makes me makes me furious about this. Uh, you know, we have developed this short attention span culture. Mm. Yes. At the same time, it is a culture of you know adoring personalities. That, that, that is an expression for this. A cult of personality. Mm. That yes. okay, oh, uh, this person that I love and I follow has posted the thousand picture of their face, and I'm going to like it. But what's new about that? What what's the what's the point of that? Okay, it's nice to see. Okay, you're you're doing great. You're beautiful. You're you're healthy. I'm happy to see it. Here's my like. But at the same time, if that comes before and that takes the place of the actual work, of the actual piece, someone has worked so hard to to produce, and uh, plus we live in a uh, we we operate in a, an environment that it's absolutely saturated. Yes. Like I'm not, I'm not the only person that makes knives for someone that is interested in knives. I'm just a number, just a, a name, uh, just a hashtag or something like that. So it's really, really hard to appear at the, the large stage. Yeah. Now that everyone is on the large stage, you have to strive yeah. for better quality, yeah. not only on the work, but, but also on the, the uh, you know, the, the pictures have to be pretty, the, the video has to be well mixed, and the audio has to be clear and the quality, and not all the time the tools we have at our disposal uh, reflect that. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, sure. I, I, I get very frustrated when I work on a, a video, I cut it and I put a soundtrack, and sometimes I'm playing the fucking soundtrack. You no, know, I'd like to go to these levels of, of dedication and, and trying to, to make most of what I'm doing. And when I post it to Instagram, it uploads with a crappy quality. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> Just want to delete all, all this and, and, you know, get a, a nine to five, uh, <laughs> five to nine, <laughs> nine to five job. Yeah. But I know I wouldn't last like two months on one of those. So I just have to breathe and, okay, yeah. let's do it again. Yeah. When you were talking about like uh, quoting people, it reminded me a lot of American Gods, mm. actually. Yeah. But it's, it's how oh. the mainstream has conditioned everyone to be like, so they've, they've been conditioned to like things a certain way. And uh, it, it is not just about uh, everything on social media. It's also about the way people consume their media, like they, they consume their uh, music it's all about the mainstream and just to fit in into a bigger picture of people so like if they, they are friends with a few people like they would want to kind of listen to the same music that these people are listening to just to fit into their lives and just to have a conversation with them maybe so which yeah just it's something that i don't basically yeah something that i don't really agree with, with like at least with the things that i like or things that 
I want to consume it. It has to be a certain way. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just not the mainstream that works. Yeah, no, like one basic example. Uh, during this lockdown for the last two years, both of us we have been watching like amazing series all yeah. all the freaking time. So every time when mm-hmm. somebody can, I oh, have you seen this, and then it comes to us like with uh, Emily in Paris, like. Uh, You, you you know yeah. like we just like the, what the fuck the is main happening? main mainstream the main yeah. mainstream is like ah this is the best thing i ever seen so far and then it comes that's because with, you haven't seen anything so far mm. basically it's yeah, basically it a re- repetition of how series were done in the 90s and early 2000s and it's just like repeating the same way with just newer actors and newer settings and newer locations when i heard that friends is getting a, a I don't know a rerun or yeah. whatever reunion, it is. Yes. Yeah, reunion. I was like, oh my god, we are really, we're hitting a rock bottom. But yeah, that's there's this commodification of everything. So okay, this recipe worked, so we're going to explore it at the infinite like just to make yeah. money, just to make money. And at the same time, you you condition people to walk yeah. in this mainstream. So if you're mm. Listening to whatever is a little bit outside the, then yeah. you mention it and nobody catches whatever yeah. you mention it. I I really feel this when I I talk about um, music or, or tell jokes involving yeah. anime and stuff like that <laughs> on my my Instagram stories because Instagram is like mostly the, the the only social media I have been using. I try to connect with people on that level. Like, yeah. oh, this is the reference. Did you catch it? No, not, they never catch it. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating for, mm. for my part, and that's a little alienating as well. People are like, "Okay, I'm, I'm just stop following this." Dude. I blame it all on capitalism. Yeah. You know, the bottom line is money. Nobody gives it a is. fuck, and so goes the the system of a down lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and, and that's it. People don't have a um, an attention span. So you, you, at some point, you ask yourself, "Why am I going to work for hours on end on this?" to appear at somebody's screen for like three seconds, they're going to hit like and scroll over. Yeah. And things kind of lose their meaning. They're just commodities. Then yes. they lose their values. So mm. I try really hard to, to bring this back with this. Oh, my stuff is handmade. I make one by one. If yeah. you receive something uh, and by me, made by me, sent by me on your doorstep, there will be a handwritten note in there. When I talk to you, I mention your name. I thank you personally for buying this, for supporting my work, for buying local. And I, I really think that this should come back. This should be somehow reinserted into you know, the, the social media scenario. I don't know how, but I still think it should happen. I'm trying my best. Let's go back to Orkut and. Yeah, but, but the <laughs> no, thing, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like Instagram now, it's scraps. Yeah, it's going down <laughs> Facebook's paths, and like yeah, yeah. Orkut, anyways, was owned by Google in the end, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, no, like uh, none of this are actually like yeah. a proper solution. Yeah, to even the if something comes up, facing, like it, no? it, it ends up in the hands of one of the other evil big companies, which just. Yeah. 
tries to pawn it for more money that's it like any any good thing that comes out of like in earlier instagram was a good thing at least people would share something that they found interesting that's what like drew me to instagram as well because facebook was saturated with ads and other bullshit at that point of time and mm-hmm. now instagram is it's the same as facebook like people don't yeah. reach they have no reach they belong there. to the same overlord yeah yes. that's the point it's the same billionaire trying to yeah. go over the world and and that's what bugs me the most like yeah. dude you have much more money than you can spend on your entire life yes what the hell are you doing exactly. trying to shove ads on my you know down my throat and trying to make me buy ads yeah. just to show my very little tiny production that is made one by one you're exactly. a fucking billionaire you don't need more money yeah. well, yes billionaires are a completely different level of mind fuck for me yeah they shouldn't they morally shouldn't exist exactly it should be like bring the bring the blades bring let's let the heads roll no <laughs> i'm very passionate about this i hate billionaire yes i totally agree yes Hi. Oh, okay so let me just light it up <laughs> the mood a little bit otherwise we are going to leave the session like crying everything is lost uh, i really get no. passionate about this yeah. all relatable like they swoop in and just make everything they, they dumb down everything and just like the, the standard yes. for anything yeah. goes down way down the bar is, has never been lower yes exactly. it's going to get lower if that makes more money that, yes uh, exactly that's not acceptable I, I, I have a question for you like at least for me as a teacher this was like one of the biggest struggles that I had that uh, my students at least they were not able to criticize or to contest the things that I was saying or like uh, for example I said mm, this is the truth I present mm. you the truth and they're like mm, <laughs> cool right or if I present mm, do you think that's actually the truth what do you think about it Uh, and then like you see the blue know. windows scream uh-huh. happening in front of them uh-huh. and then they're like no nah. uh, unless you give them piece by piece yeah. they won't understand uh, have you been facing this kind of things with your students well um currently i'm teaching english so kind of what i what i tell them is what it is it is they don't have a, a knowledge base basis to, to contest that but I, i really see when a student is um is more engaged and has prior knowledge by curiosity they will come to me and i, I say oh this word means this and they say well I, i've seen these words in other contexts meaning other stuff uh, why is that so they still ask why and i say oh nice for you to ask nice nice Uh, it's just that in English, many words have many, many meanings, depending on the context. So I see this spark is still there. But uh, when dealing with this uh, knowledge as a truth that is passed down from the teacher to the student, I remember one of the first uh, classes I had in college uh, uh, at Wangi was with Alonso. I don't know if you uh, had yes, the opportunity. Yes, yeah. yes. And his how was your experience i love it i love it i think like uh so just to give you a little bit of context um at least in the first year of college we do have these classes that were like disruptive classes it was meant for you creation Creation for you to uh stop thinking on the 
whatever you were thinking before and to start uh, contesting things and yeah. starting uh, actually to question the things. Yourself. Yeah, to, to think by yourself and to mm-hmm. question things that were given to you. Yeah. The whole thing I think is worth mentioning is that he walks into the classes the first time you see the guy and he looks furious. He's playing yes. everything, of course, but he's furious. He's treating us like garbage from yeah. the get-go. I, I see in my class, we had one uh, one student uh, leave the classroom like shaking wow. and, and, and crying. It was this level of stress. So he wow. comes in very, very pissed and says, okay, my company has this water and it's all bottled and I have like one million of these bottles and it's, it looks dirty, but we have uh, we, we know it's it's clean and we have to sell it. And anyone who here has the balls to try and sell it, stand up from your desk, uh, state your full name and your, you know, your, your social security number, something <laughs> that you, you won't be able to remember like this when under pressure and, and state your, your idea. And he was like standing there ready to, to strike you down. Yeah. So one person, you know, <laughs> tries something and it's pummeled to the ground and everyone's yeah. like, oh my God, what's going on <laughs> in this college? Like the first week of college, I, I yes. had just arrived from, you know, the countryside. I have never been to the, living in the big city. <laughs> it was crazy. And it was amazing at the end. It was amazing because by the end of the exercise, his face just shifts and he opens a smile and see and says so you see how bad it can be you see how shitty a work environment can be how difficult it is to perform under pressure and and how the ideas some of you have actually good ideas but if you don't have you know the certainty behind it and if you don't stand your ground some jackass who's furious for not making money can come in and 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 destroy your career if you let them. So every class after that was this. He came with a a crazy problem. Like, okay, here's a a deck of cards and you have to build, ah, yeah, and you have to Ah, work in teams and you have to build the highest house of cards you you can. And everyone, everyone begins fighting on how we're going to do this, what technique, what, what tricks can we use? Is this, is, is this okay? Is this against the rules? And he never stated a rule, a single rule. He never said anything about rules. Yeah. So at the end of the class, he says, okay, so everyone, I see everyone has like zero cards stack. No one has been able to, to yeah. build a house of, of cards. You have been in fighting all the time. And you have been, I see, um, divided into two camps. The one who tries to follow rules and the ones that have observed that I have not defined any rules. And the first thing he does is get a card, rip it halfway in half, get another card, rip it the same way and like clutch them together. Mm-hmm. And they are now much more stable. They're a, a better uh, building material to start with. He said, I never said you couldn't rip the cards. I never yes. said you couldn't do whatever you wanted. I just said you had to use the card. And that's the, the beauty of it. Like think outside the box, that's the cliche, that's the trope. But uh, seeing this happen in your face uh, with so much intensity, it was like the crazy professor who was yes. known, uh, 
he also teached at another another college in Belo Horizonte, and he was known for stunts like he would go into the patio during during break and stand there looking up at the sky without saying anything, and people <laughs> would become people would gather around him and start looking up, and he was like staring at nothing. He was just. <laughs> It was a practical joke, a prank, or, or you know, a social experiment, and it was amazing. It was really, really disruptive in the sense that, you know, what are rules? What are rules? You know, go back two thousand years, and the rules, the social rules, are completely different. Yes. So why are you so bothered with the rules we have today? If, you know, ten years from now, they could be completely overturned and completely different. So yeah. Try to do your best exactly. and pay less attention to rules. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's beautiful. I you you brought back some good memories. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, it was amazing. He was a, he, he amazing. Was amazing. And also, uh, from time to time, I think his wife Monica, right? She used it to roam around uh, the campus with a green wig from time to time, nice. and then like. <laughs> dance movements sometimes the class were even oh, crazy yeah but was I absolutely experience that yeah no was insane insane what a nice couple yeah actually a nice couple like meant for each other he makes sense yeah. <laughs> but uh definitely is something that i think of course during college it's easier for you to think about that because you are in a new completely new phase right you're just uh becoming an adult per se and you're the owner of your own actions at that moment but uh for sure it's something that i think it doesn't hurt for us to remember this kind of state of mind right like okay yeah. uh, the things that i'm doing are they actually that important uh do i need to follow whatever it has been given to me or can i do just yes. whatever what I feel like it. I think that the nice thing of going into college, especially if you're younger, uh, is that you have that defiance of the young age. You're not completely out of the, your teenage years. I, mm-hmm. I went into college with 17. Uh, so I was very much in my defiant phase. I was like, okay, fuck the rules. <laughs> And I was, I was such an idealist at the same time. There were, I, I got myself into some, some situations that uh, were kind of shameful, were kind of stupid of me. Like the first, the first class of all, the first of all, the first day I've got to college, uh, the teacher of psycho- psychology of psychology forms and of shapes forms, and, yes. yeah. and design. And he was an asshole, to put it mildly. Yes. And the first, the first class I had was with him. And the first thing he asked is, who are you, uh, state your name, say what you want from, from college, why did you get into this, this course and, you know, present yourself. And I was like one of the last ones of the, of the, of the class mm-hmm. to, to be able to talk. So when it came to my time, I had many, many, uh, you know, minutes to, to work something out. And at the time, I only got uh, into the design course because I had got into the mechanical engineering course back at the, the federal nice. college, but I had to wait for the next semester. I was mm-hmm. like in the, the second the second wave. Yeah. So um, it, it was actually my mother that came to me and said, oh, why, why don't you try this course? Ever list, uh, heard about uh, the university. I have never heard about the course. 
And she just came to me one day and said, oh, uh, they are opening uh, the inscriptions for the, the vestibular. And you have always been, you know, fond of dismantling all your toys as a kid. So <laughs> maybe you should try a hand on this. And it was like the best advice of my life. Because when I finally got into the engineering course, I hated it with all my heart. <laughs> it was completely the opposite. And in the design course, we had like passionate people and it was a, a smaller community yeah. and it was more tightly knit together. And, um, and we didn't have that much resources. So we had to you know, make things work by willpower, basically. Yes. While at the engineering course, uh, I got into the course, they were just finishing building this new, beautiful, huge building specifically for the engineering, uh, engineering courses. But the classes were completely lackluster. The professors were all phased and, you know, oh, that, you know that the worst classes possible. And uh, I absolutely didn't jive with the people in, at the class. They were all like, uh, they could only, first of all, it was like you know, at a 40 um, student class, there were two women and the rest wow. were guys that could only talk about football and soccer and, and, and you know, barbecuing and, you know, oh, look at my new, uh, my new soccer team uh, uniform. And I just happened to hate soccer. I hate it. So I was, I was kind of the, the oddball at, the, at that class. So I flew, I, I flunked completely. I, I never got past the, the first semester. But back at the design course, I was really passionate about it. So when it came to me the time to say, what am I doing here? Uh, I'm getting into the design course and the mechanical engineering course because I want to learn a, a bunch of skills and I want to be able to put them together and I want to help to solve the problems of the world. I want to help making a better world. Yeah, he just destroyed me on the spot. Yeah. He said I was like stupid and uh, a dreamer and, and completely you know, um, innocent in a sense that life isn't like that. It was that kind of, of lecture mm -hmm. on my first day. Nice, but I'm nice. still a dreamer. I'm still a, an idealist. And I'm still trying to put my skills to, to you know, to make the best for the world. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he was right. I, I really don't think he was right. Good that you didn't listen to him, no? Like... Vinicius, uh... I think another thing that uh, I would like to ask you, uh, we have been asking, I think, all of the people who has been participating of the podcast, the latest thing that you have been enjoying can be music, can be series, can be, I don't know, YouTube channels, whatever you feel like it's very interesting. So uh, I could list a bunch of YouTube channels, <laughs> but if I'm going to mention one uh, and it's going to be on the, the science-y things, Yes, it's a it's a channel called Applied Sciences, or Applied Science. I, I'm not sure about the plural of it, and it's presented by Ben, a guy that works from his garage, and his garage is like the dream laboratory of all time. It's like the laboratory of Dexter, you know. <laughs> so he he builds stuff that you just couldn't fathom that were possible building at your backyard. Like there's a video of him. Uh, showing how and that's the beauty of it it shows everything it shows how he does it it shows the the methodology 
it shows the whole thing and explains every step. It's very concise, it's very straightforward, it's very clean in the presentation, it's very simple. Uh, he appears to be a, an amazing guy to talk with. And for example, he built his own scanning ele uh, electron microscope. Wow. You know, he built his own turbo molecular pump to generate a hyper vacuum and, you know, all the craziest stuff. Oh, this is how I built my super hyper mega uh, electromagnets that I use to manipulate fire. You know, fire. He puts a candle <laughs> and he manipulates the fire of the candle using magnets. And, you know, for me, the, the biggest motivation to be in sciences and, and, you know, to study and research things is understanding the laws, the real laws, not these mm -hmm. rules that society, you know, makes out of nowhere, out of, out of the blue. So trying to understand what's the reality, what's, what space-time is made of. Are we really into a, a simulation? Are we really into a universe that's part of a multiverse? And, you know, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So what's real? What's actually real? What's there in, in, in 2,000 years it will still be the same and this knowledge will still be relevant? So that's the kind of thing that he presents, and I love it. And he presents it in such a nice manner. I really, I really recommend it. Nice. Applied science. We'll take a look yeah. for sure. Quite interesting. And he drives the DeLorean, just like <laughs> back in the future. Nice. Amazing. The crazy doctor. Cool. Next one. Now, I asked you a top three. Top three presented. Oh, one. three, three, three. Yes. Can be okay. animes. Yeah. The, the thing with anime is that uh, it's funny how I used to spend most of my time watching anime as a teenager. Um, without much more to do in a, in a small city. And nowadays, I, I really um, I really try to select. So I start a lot of anime, but I never really finish most of them because I think, oh, the animation is kind of lackluster. The story is kind of boring. Uh, I, I came to realize that most of the stuff I, I used to watch when I go back and I say, oh, what is so childish? Yes. And I, 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 yes. I really couldn't understand it before. So um, nowadays, one of my interests for a long time now has been animation itself. Nice. So I go into the best animation I can get my hands on and I try to analyze it. So I go to some YouTube channels that do exactly that. Why is this animation good? Why is this bad? Why people think that this is bad, like smear, mm -hmm frames uh, the, those frames are all all scrabbly and all drawn dirty just to convey moment uh, movement and to convey um the the energy of the scene yeah. which is very interesting so uh i'm going to recommend a, a youtube channel that's called every frame a painting and nice. it's it's a it's a, a channel that focuses on reviewing not only anime, but also anime, but also uh, movies. And they just reveal, uh, reveal what makes this movie or this director or this series relevant, what makes it different from the rest, what makes it stand out. You, you watch it and say, well, I, I, don't, I don't see what stands out here. It's not like watching like Sparta 300 <laughs> and you know, the, the, the filmography is completely out of the usual. Mm. Uh, Sometimes it can be much more subtle and they explain bit by bit why nice. this frame is amazing, why this cut is amazing. And if you have an interest in art and 
filmography and animation and just understanding why something is striking to watch. I, I, I really think it's, it's a nice channel to begin with. Nah, I love it. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to like, check this one for sure. Quite cool. Okay, and the third one would be, since we have talked about, uh, I don't know if it's going to be on the record of the record Evangelion. It's coming out, uh, the, the next, um, the, the last rebuild of Evangelion, um, the, the new installments of the series which uh, is really? a bit different. Yeah, it's like the 3.0, 3.1, 3.2, 3.3. I think the last one is scheduled to this year or next year. I, I have no idea because, you know, Evangelion, you, you see something on the news about it in like five years later, yeah. then comes the next piece of information. So, uh, but I really am looking forward to, to watch the new Evangelion series because the animation is beautiful. Yes. so gory and violent and uh, it's amazing it's like watching an action movie that you know can be really stupid like i went to watch the um i don't know what's called in english os mercenarios like mercenaries oh sylvester uh, stallone, uh, sylvester stallone bruce willis okay. uh that has all the jason Statham also yeah, yeah. I, I, i know yeah. i don't remember the name of it but i've seen first part i think yeah yeah i went to watch that thing on on the big screen and yeah, yeah. it was on the very few mo movies that i got up and left before it had finished yeah it, mm. it was really stupid from every yeah. point of view But when you watch action sections in Evangelion, there's the whole aesthetic is built in a different way. So you have, you know, the, the emotional strives behind the, the whole thing, you know, you know, the psychological effect that has on the characters. Nothing is, you know, um, it's gratuitous. It's not, it's not, oh, big explosions, look, you know, everything. You have to hand draw everything. Yeah. So animation has this quality that nothing is by accident. So you watch the, you know, the more violent parts of it and it carries the, you know, the adrenaline of an action sequence, yes. but it has more depth in a way that you also think, okay, it's just fictional monsters being destroyed and ripped to pieces. It's not like, oh, an American guy went to the, the Middle East and shot people up, which is really fucked up. But they still make action movies with that. Yes. As a as a focus that's that's just plain stupid and so yeah Evangelion the new the new yeah <laughs> I, I look forward to watching Vinicius have you watched by any chance one that <clears throat> is called uh, Tatami Galaxy Tatami Galaxy no I don't remember watching it if you have the opportunity I highly recommend it I think you're going to love it seriously I'm, it's on I'm Netflix only at least here in India it's on Netflix absolutely uh -huh. amazing like the style of animation beautifully done and also the storyline like uh it's not simply um it, it's kind of uh college like the guy started college and then he gets stuck in his own room and then he lives life uh, a specific part of his life over and over again until he figured out Uh, a way out of it that's basically oh, that, the, the plot that without remember, spoilers that remembers uh first time i watched as a kid um uh, dream state dream state with cameron diaz and that crazy guy from the mission impossible movies tom cruise 
Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's about uh, yeah, it's about lucid dreaming, and it has mm. this recurrence. Mm. Yes, yes, so yes, 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 yes. Like, yeah, this kind of theme is very, very fascinating for me. It's like one of the, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest things I have been postponing to watch is like Paprika, the animation, oh my which gosh. is about. Also, Ah, yeah. ah, amazing! It's messed up that I haven't watched it yet, so I, I, I kind of get that it's, it's on the same ballpark. Yeah. Oh, so if I, if I can, if I can make an, another recommendation. Yes, please. Uh, one thing that I watched as a kid, and then I came back as an adult and watched it again, and was, again, struck by it, and it was amazing. Is the Animatrix? You know, yes. The animated series. Yes. It's so yes. hard to find them online with a good quality. So where every, you found every... it? Pi piracy again. <laughs> well, uh, as uh, <laughs> as an adult, I think I downloaded it by, by torrent or something like that. But as a kid, we actually got to a store and rented yes. the DVD yes. and brought Same. it back home to watch. So, and I watched it like forty times in a in a weekend. Because it's amazing. The text is amazing. It the animation is beautiful. It, it remains beautiful to this day. And uh, even more after, you know, uh, learning what the Matrix is really about. If you, if you uh, read interviews with the Wachowski sisters, it's, it's even more beautiful. Amazing. It is. And also, like, I have a clear image of a few of the stories of Animatrix uh, that I watched when I was, like, a kid. And I still remember, like, Oh my gosh, like I have the, the frame by frame still in my mind. Yeah. Something similar exactly. to that, uh, also Aeon Flux. I also have like a few flashes in my mind of how yeah. it was. I remember my dad not letting me watch completely. Nowadays, I understand why, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not suitable. But uh, I still remember looking at the animation because, uh, for example, like the body. It's very distorted. It's very elongated. Yeah, it's very stylized. Right? Yeah. So for me, I remember that was the first time that I saw the human figure without being the reality, even for animation. So for me, I was like completely cool. struck by it. So, uh -huh. and of course, the team in the end, the futuristic part also connects with them. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's uh, the team itself that prompts a nice animation. But it's nice to see that, you know, this transhumanistic, futuristic, uh, android, cyber stuff usually renders nice animations like the Ghost in the Shell series. I love yes. it. It's Have very you watched well the animated. new one? Have you watched the new one? The new version? The Arise? The... Uh, which, which of the new ones? Which of the new ones? Because Netflix did uh, quite a few. Uh, that yeah, I the last one I, I've watched is the Ghost in the Shell Arise, which depicts um, uh, Major Kusanagi as younger with a, a shorter hair, bluer hair, I, and I usually sporting uh, uh, a red suit and, and jacket, like Kill Bill, but yeah, uh, red instead of yellow. <laughs> it's very nice. It's nice. Good to know. Because I, I only watched the original ones. So I, I was just asking to see if it was, <laughs> if I should watch it or not. I'm very suspicious I, of these like remakes and. I find it interesting that Ghost in the Shell is the is the one series uh, where I have to watch every episode more than once. I don't get everything from the first watch. Maybe it's 
attention deficit. Maybe it's just because the, the plot is so convoluted and it's like political strife and at the same time combat and, you know, the personal lives of the characters. But I always have to watch it like three times. You know, oh, now I got all the details. Now I got, you know, the, the whole conversation down because I was paying attention to the animation. Now I'm paying attention to, to the, the, the subtitles, actually. <laughs> so... It's a nice mental exercise. Yeah, I'm definitely going to rewatch it, and also I'm going to make you watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, you haven't. Any, if yeah, you haven't no. watched, <laughs> you haven't. Go for We're it. We're here like geeking out, going better. crazy, <laughs> but uh, I think nowadays, at least here in India, what I'm seeing is now that I think animation is starting to pick up a little yeah. bit more. Uh, in Brazil, it was in the '90s, so I think like with the full, the first Pokemon ever, actually Dragon Ball. No. Uh, Dragon Ball, Pokemon, Cavaleiros Zodíaco came um, before. I, I think, think Dragon Ball and Pokemon were quite uh, big in India also. But after that, after that, there was but after the, that, the, the, nothing. 